Hello, I am Chris. And I'm Andrew, and welcome to the first episode of Video Games Cover to Cover, coverage of The Witcher 3. I always sound so, like, distinct. Hello, I am Chris. You enunciate. Yeah, I don't know why I do that, because that's definitely not how I talk. But anyway, uh, so... I have actually never played any games in the Witcher series, so I am really starting fresh here from a Witcher perspective. And I would assume that also means you've never read any of the books or anything, because I know you don't, you're not a huge reader to begin with. No, I would not have read. I Until you told me there were books, I had only ever assumed there were just Witcher games. Yeah, no, and now there's going to be a TV show here pretty soon. Yes, I, I saw that. On Netflix, yeah. So with Superman as as the Witcher, <laughs> oh well, Henry Cavill, uh, the, guy the he was old from, Superman, yeah, from Superman Returns, Superman, yeah. I actually really liked that Superman, despite uh, what what. Honestly, me too. I enjoyed that one. I I, I really did enjoy that one. The whole, the, I mean, the Lex Luthor storyline was a little weird, but that Superman in general, I really enjoyed, and mostly it was because a lot of the movie was just about him being Superman. Uh, especially looking at what happened with like the Zack Snyder stuff, I was really happy because I was really not a fan of the let's beat people up Superman because that's very much not Superman. Yeah. So because I don't really know anything about the Witcher series at all, uh, I figured the first thing that we could do is sort of have Andrew kind of play catch up for me. The Witcher crash course, if you will. Exactly. Because... I can tell you I'm pretty confused from from the bit that I've played. I'm really confused. I know the basic premise. I don't know who any of these people are except the Witcher, which is Geralt, but there are other Witchers. Geralt of Rivia. I am not going to call him that yes, I know. in the entire podcast. He is Geralt. I get that he's of Riviera, but I'm also not gonna call <laughs> Yennefer Yennefer of Yor or of Vengerberg. Yeah, Vengerberg. Who's of Yor? I don't know that. I there's feel anybody like somebody of is of Yor. Yor usually just means ancient times. So. There's gotta be an of Yor. Yennefer of Vengerberg. Is it just because they didn't have last names? I I have no idea. Uh, so as far as my experience with The Witcher, I've played both of the previous games. I had not gotten around to Witcher 3 yet, so this is still going to be a fresh run for me of this. But I did play the first two Witcher games. Haven't read the books, but I have read about the series because I found the world interesting and would like to read the books at some point. So when I inevitably get something wrong in my summary, please forgive me, but I am going to do my best. Do not forgive him. Um, attack him mercilessly so that way I know what the correct answers are. Please do not do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, spoilers for The Witchers 1 and 2, and, you know, going forward, 3. The very beginning of 3, uh, because we're essentially still in the prologue for what exactly. we would cover here. I, I have not... I'm assuming getting out of the prologue means you found Yennefer. That... I don't know, but at the very least, fighting this first boss would be part of it. Well, yeah, the the griffin. Yeah. I wanted to fight it when it showed up the first time when I had, you know, my buddy with me, but... But you couldn't. It seems like... I, 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 I could... I feel like we could have. I feel like we definitely could have, but we just didn't. Well, it flew off. 
only after picking up the dead horse. It we could have done it, it's literally anything to keep it there. But instead they just stood there going, "Yep. It looks like a griffin to me." <laughs> That's a griffin, all right. We could have slayed it right in front of that dude and he'd have been like, "These are quite literally the greatest people I've ever seen. <laughs> this is amazing." I mean, to be fair, they kind of already were, were because I doubt he's seen a whole lot of people that were more impressive than witchers. Except for the fact that everyone hates us in every single town yes. we walk into and spits all over our faces. Yep. But anyway, so I guess my question, my, my, my big question is, how did Geralt get here? Okay, so as I understand it, despite being the main character of the games, Geralt does not survive the book series. He dies uh, halfway-ish through, I believe, and the books shift over to series perspective. The the person that you see is a, you know, a girl that he's training in the very beginning. So basically what they did is all of these games take place after the point in the books where Geralt died, and it's basically what if Geralt hadn't died. Oh, okay. So, because in the first game in particular, they everybody makes a bunch of references to, Geralt, I thought you were dead. <laughs> like, all the time. And I kind of started watching some of the, the cutscenes for it, but the first one was like six hours, and then yeah. the one for two was around like seven or eight hours. And I'm like, I, I'm literally never going to have time to play the game if I watch all of these cutscenes. So... Yeah, there's a lot. And some branching paths and stuff that go on in the games. But so basically the first game picks up where Geralt has been saved from his presumed death. And so while Siri is off having her adventures from the books, Geralt is doing the things in the games. Okay. So the first game primarily revolves around uh, Geralt getting involved in a fight between the humans of uh, Temeria which is one of the kingdoms that gets mentioned a lot in three, at least in the beginning, as I'm sure you've noticed. And well, so, so wait a second. Wait a second. So that thing from the very beginning where you are training Siri after you see Yennefer, is, is that like, did that happen in the past before he died? I mean, yeah, because Siri was, you know, at, at least uh, was an adult when he died. Okay. Interesting. So... So all of that stuff was, yeah, like, I think even would have been, timeline-wise, would have been, like, even before the first game would have started. Okay. Because uh, I believe in the events of the first game, the keep basically gets destroyed and they never go back to it. So the fact that it was still intact means it would have had to have happened before the first game. So there's some war going on. Or you said that somebody was attacking someone and... So in the first game, uh, they their castle, or the keep, gets raided. Yes, I saw that in the cutscene. Right. And the whole game is basically Geralt trying to get that stuff back. Oh, all their their the Witcher all the stuff that gets that got stuff. stolen. Yeah, the the Witcher uh, mutagens and stuff because Witchers are. I mean, they. I guess you could kind of think of them as like. I mean, mutants. Everybody calls them that. So like the X Men or whatever, except they're more man made mutants because they like specifically undergo trials to change them rather than something they're just so born they're with. Captain America. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and so like after you do all your training and stuff, and they decide that you're eligible you know or the well i guess you haven't played uh dragon age so you wouldn't even know that so but the, the dragon age has something to do with the witcher series no but like a similar when you become um 
a Grey Warden in Dragon Age, you go. it's a very similar process to the Witcher Trials. Got it. As I was about to say, which you never did, so you wouldn't even know what I'm talking about. So you do. You, what are the Witcher? I, so do you do that in the first game, no, or are you no, just no, already yeah. a Witcher? They, you're already a Witcher by the first. Okay, game. then I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, it's just, but so it's just you, stuff, and then they give you this mutation thing, and if you survive, you're a Witcher. If not, you're dead. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, but before you can do that, you have to have already done like all the sword training and things like that. So, is there? Do you know if anything actually carries over? Because the the so it sounds like the first game was basically just all about the keep. Well, so you leave the keep and you never go back to it after the training. You go through because um, like that's the prologue chapter basically of the first game. And you, you go through and go to the kingdom through this kingdom, um, looking uh, basically on the hunt for the guys who stole your stuff. And you know, like you would expect for pretty typical video games, like you know, pretty much each chapter ends with you fighting one of them and stuff like that. Yeah. And so as you go through this kingdom, you get involved in a, uh, like the big arcing conflict that Geralt gets involved in in the first game is between the human kingdom of Temeria and the Scoia'tael, I believe they were pronounced, which are basically an alliance of like elves and dwarves and the other non-human races. And they're basically like rebels that are like doing, you know, little raids and stuff on the human towns. And at some point, Geralt, you know, you have to choose one or the other group to support. Uh, most of these things, I don't think, really carry over between games. They might get, they got occasionally referenced, I think, but partially because the Witcher games came out so far apart. Well, the problem I'm having is when it came up, it asked me to simulate a Witcher 2 save. Yeah. And I, I said no because I had never played the Witcher 2. Yeah, it, but... See, I I said yes because I thought that was going to ask me to like tell it what I did, like again, like what Dragon Age or Mass Effect would do if you loaded a save file, and it didn't do any of that. It just immediately goes on. So and it does. There's a guy that talks to you. I looked it up online. There's a guy that talks to you, and based off of what you said, that's how it simulates the. Uh, I think when your master is talking to you about like this happened or this happened or this happened. I th- um, I thought there was it said something about there being options or it it said that somebody talks to you and it, it affects something. I don't remember anything he would have said that would have had any relation to two other than just like this is basically very shortly after two, but because two ends with him like basically finally remembering Siri and Yennefer and that's why he goes off to look for them. So he doesn't remember them for what reason? Basically, ever since he died, he essentially didn't remember anything from before his death. Okay. So, like, the first game, and, you know, it works as an excuse for the players who probably haven't read any of the books to meet all these characters who are from the books and stuff. Makes sense, yeah. Because Geralt's like, I don't know who you are, and then they have to explain themselves. And so this big Squeeto conflict, and as it continues, there's this, like, shadowy organization that's in the background manipulating this conflict and which is the same group that happened to steal all your stuff. Oh, is this still the first game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and that group basically wanted it so they could make, you know, their own witchers, essentially. Yeah. And it turns out the actual villain is the adult form of a kid that Geralt saves early in the game and kind of winds up following you around a home base for a while because this kid so for this to make sense i have to explain magic in the witcher universe a little bit <laughs> this is getting incredibly confusing basically is a, a future version of this kid that came back in time 
Okay. But so basically what happens here is in in the Witcher world, everybody can kind of learn some basic magic because like Geralt isn't Geralt has, you know, some basic spells and stuff that you can use the signs as the game calls them that he can do to throw a fireball or whatever. And generally most people can learn how to do it from training as I understand it. But the people like to really, truly be like a sorcerer or sorceress or like a, a, a really powerful mage and the difference is like night and day. But for that to happen, you basically have to have the right blood, like the bloodline. You have to have magic in your in your past, like your bloodline. Um, so where did magic come from originally? So <laughs> somebody had to have it originally. Yes, and then in, in like several books in like the first game, it talks about like the elven woman who was like the mother of magic. Got it. And basically, all the people who are sorcerers are a distant descendant of her at some point. Uh, and many, you know, many of them are human or whatever, but like they all stem from this same bloodline that's been mixed down over the years. Okay. So what happens is this kid that Geralt finds um, in like chapter one of the game, and I think there's like five chapters, is uh, essentially, you know, his parents have been killed or whatever, but he's like super magical to the point where like uh, Triss, one of the other, like the other mage who like follows him around through all the series. Um, this kid? No, Triss, Marigold. She's a lady that uh, a sorceress. She was in that opening, the sorceress who's in the keep in the beginning. Okay, I I, oh. I have not met her yet in three, so I've no idea. No, I, I know, but in, the, in that little bit of video you said you saw in if one, she would have been the sorceress there. Okay. Whatever, but regardless, she makes some basically like amulet thing for the kid to like control his magic because it's like ridiculous and he's like eight years old and has no idea how to do anything with it. And basically the villain winds up being the bad end version of this kid who essentially grew up uh, miserable and decided to go back and, you know, mess up the world with his super magical powers and stuff. And was all of this is a plot from him. I I, I know there's more to it, but I don't remember the specifics because it's been ages since I played Witcher 1. But I know it was the... Well, that's the big twist reveal is that it's the adult form of this kid that has been following Geralt around the whole game. What a twist! And if I remember correctly, I think it gives you a choice of whether or not to kill the kid when you after you kill the adult like to avoid this from ever happening if i remember right you you could literally just you know give him a good life yeah and i i that's what i did if it i, I could even be completely misremembering but i thought there not was not saying you it. i'm just saying like yeah there's gotta be like yo um this dude's super magical and he grows up to kill literally everybody so like if you could just not be terrible to him we could avoid all of that. But I mean, maybe not explain all that. Right. But maybe uh, not go into detail. Just be like, it's really important that you're not a, a, a terrible back. person. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you a terrible person? Well, yes, I am. Then no, you can't have this kid. Yeah. No. Although, would a terrible person admit to being a terrible person? I feel like a non terrible person would admit to being a terrible person, and they're actually the best person to give them to because they understand that they have faults. So anyway, what is a basic synopsis of the second game? So the second game, so by the end of the first game, Geralt, um, like in the epilogue, winds up becoming an ad, like an advisor to the king, King Foltest of Tamaria. And so the second game opens up with Geralt like in the army camps, uh, like we're fighting for the king in some battle. Mm-hmm. The, the The second game is literally called Assassin of Kings. So I think you can imagine how this goes. 
Uh, it kind of sounds like that guy might die. Yeah. Surprise. Mm-hmm. And so do several other kings. And like that's the big plot of the second game is Geralt trying to find this Kingslayer. Oh, so there's like a Kingslayer then. Yeah. Mm. And so you wind up going through all these things. And at the end of the second game, I, I mean, I'm skipping over a lot of this because the second game really was not nearly as elaborate as the first one. Yeah. But basically when you finally get there, there's some big like uh, peace treaty discussion because all these kingdoms are, you know, having their kings killed and stuff. So like they're trying to figure out what to do. Right. And there's just like mage council that's trying to vie for power, all this political intrigue stuff. And eventually Geralt catches up to the, and deals with the problem at this peace treaty place. That's the end of the game. And uh, he finds out it, as the game goes on, he starts to remember um, Yennefer and Ciri. And by the end, basically, that's now his new quest in three is to go try to catch up to Yennefer and Ciri and like the, these people that he's finally remembering. Well, because three kind of starts out with her giving. I mean, obviously, it starts out with the you know flashback and you training Ciri and everything. Were you hard on Ciri in the training? Uh, not really. Neither was I. I have a. It's harder for me to be mad at kids in like anything. I was definitely a huge pushover. Yeah. Also, serious school. So, well, apparently, is some like super magical, awesome person. Yeah, by the end of the books, as I understand it, she's more or less basically a goddess. She's like, she's kind of reminds me of, uh, from what I read, it she just sort of reminded me of like Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite, where she's like just hopping between planes of reality and stuff. It doesn't necessarily make her a goddess. Yeah, but I mean, that's basically what everybody called Elizabeth too. Oh yeah, that's fair. That's so she could just. D- Kind of go wherever she wants and, and do whatever she wants. She is um, half Siri is half Elven and is a rather strong um, descendant of that original Elf lady, and so her magic is very strong. So can she only do that, or can she like bust out fireballs? No, no, no. She can. I mean, well, she a she has all of the she has the Witcher training and mutations and stuff on top of her natural sorcery abilities. So her is, Igni is like significantly better than mine yes and it went as i understand it, you do get to play as her occasionally and she is there's a reason why you spend most of the game as Geralt, as i understand it i get to play a siri in three yes there are times where you play a siri you've piqued my excitement yeah i mean I, the most of the game is Geralt, but yes there are definitely sections with siri where i just get to lay waste to everybody very excited uh i mean as i i as basically like stat wise i'm pretty sure she's Less physically strong, but substantially more magically capable than Geralt. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Yeah, Geralt has clearly been through some stuff. Yeah, this is this is his third rodeo just within the games, let alone the other ones. Yeah, he's um really seen some things. He sure has. <laughs> so they're called like the Nil- Nif- Nif- Nilf Guardians. Nilf Guardians. Yeah, the black ones. I, uh, have you chosen any sides yet? I mean, not really. I've kind of been going relatively neutral. Um, of my impressions of the people I've talked to, I definitely am intrigued by that, um, Nilfgaardian commander, because he actually seems like a pretty cool guy, which uh, is... He, seem, he seems really nice. Which is kind of a rarity in these games, so... My immediate reaction is, I hope he doesn't turn out to secretly be a terrible person, but I'm for now, at least, I like him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for now, he seems like a pretty decent guy. Um, so there was a 
the quote unquote merchant. Did yeah. you let him go? Oh yes, this this guy. Yes, I did. So So you are choosing sides. I mean, I guess, but I turned him in immediately. I definitely turned him in right off the gate. But the- I'm like, you straight up murdered a guy. Like I don't care. You you could have just knocked him out or anything to then steal the medicine. Stealing the medicine is one thing. I get it. You're doing whatever. You straight up murdered a dude. So I'm sorry, <laughs> but like you don't get any mercy from me. It wasn't even a fair fight. He shot him with an arrow from afar. Like, bro, you're super cowardice. You're immediately getting turned in. So I do not care. For context on that, um, this was... Yeah, there's a, a guy who claims to be a merchant. This is one of the very first side quests. Really, it's actually kind on. of a while. It, it's a ways down, like three three or four hours in, I want to say. I guess, because you have to have talked to the commander before it becomes available, maybe? Possibly, because I, I didn't even go up there. Yeah. I did that quest after I talked to the commander, but that was before it was like on my way to go deal with the... Um, I ran into it specifically cool. because I was looking for drowner brains for for potions. And I was like, oh, they're up in the swamp. And then I ran into the guy. It, I was just, I just happened to see monsters to kill and I attacked. No. And then I came across him. Well, yeah, as I, when, as I was heading in that direction, I saw the exclamation point on the map. And I was immediately like, well, that's where I'm going. And he's like, hey, mister. Hey, mister, can you help me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I walk over and help him and see that he's clearly just straight up murdered some guy, and I'm like, well, I'm turning you in. Don't care about your cause. So, this quest is a good example, and one of the things that I've immediately noticed about this game when we've started, there seems to be a lot of different ways you can resolve a given quest, and I mean, this one was probably the most noticeable, but I think it's already come up a couple other times where, like, you could have just got in the box and left. The stuff about investigate the area, you don't actually have to do. You, as soon as you find the box, it'll just be like, go give it back to the guy. So you could resolve that quest and just give it to him and then never actually find out what was going on there. For me, as I was using my Witcher powers, I found them. I actually ended up finding the dead guy before I found the box. At least I did. I found some tracks and stuff, but I found the box and then the the dead guy shortly after. I, I found him first, and then I found the box. But regardless, when you pick up the box, yeah, it immediately gives you an objective of, you know, return the box to the merchant, and then the other stuff is basically optional of continue to investigate the area. Well, there's there, and well, because there, there was another quest where when you talk to the herbalist, he basically says, I might be able to help this girl, maybe if I give her a potion that's clearly meant for me, but if it kills her, like, sorry, I don't really know what to do. You can just decide not to give it to her. I don't know how long it takes for at that point for the lady to die if it's like several quests or something, but I definitely decided to because I'm like, if you're going to die anyway, you might as well like have a chance. Yeah. I mean, the real moral conundrum there was basically what they were talking about. If it does kill her, it's going to hurt way more than just leaving her asleep like the herbalist was. I get it, but from my perspective, I've realistically if it were me i would give them a choice sure i mean don't get me wrong i still went and got the potion and stuff but at least the way they were framing it that was how i understood it was it was basically a matter of a guaranteed peaceful death versus either recovery or extremely painful death (laughs) well extremely painful and recovery or extremely painful and still death yeah 
Yeah, because one of the things you talked about is, you know, Witcher metabolism is capable of handling significantly more than a normal person's metabolism. It's all those mutations and stuff to make him... Yeah, and he fit. says it affects him immediately, but it will take multiple days for her to actually feel the effect of the potion. Yeah, because he processes it. Because one of the stats that you actually have in the Witcher games, because I know you, you haven't gotten far enough to really mess with the potions and stuff, and knowing how you play the games probably won't ever mess with the potions that much for most of the game anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't spent my ability points either. But um one of one of Geralt's stats is toxicity where every time you drink a potion that percentage goes up and once you get to 100%, he just physically cannot drink anymore cuz he's even he has reached his limit of these potent potions. How do you reduce just toxicity? Just like resting. Oh, well, I never I never take any healing items or anything because I just meditate but every single time. It, it goes down gradually as you meditate and but I mean basically the idea is just you know, make you not, you can't possibly just have every single buff going into the boss fights and stuff is really what it does. Makes sense. You just yeah. have to choose which ones you care about. Cause I mean, really that's the Witcher is definitely one of those series and, you know, fitting very much with the character where it's more about making smart decisions than like, even at high levels, Geralt is never really like a massive powerhouse the way you expect like other, you know, a max level final fantasy character or whatever. I mean, he's definitely stronger and, you know, has more HP and stuff, but it's mostly more about giving you more options than like truly just making you beefier. And I mean, the game, especially for harder fights, like it really revolves around you doing proper preparation. And like, cause like, if you look in the bestiary, for example, it will tell you specifically what things a monster is weak to. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. It forced me to. Oh, that's right. That. Yeah. It has all those force tutorials. But when you, I like to use the powers and stuff. Right. So I check that for every monster, especially if I'm not doing any damage. I sp was hacking away at that noon wraith for a while, and I actually got her down to like half health without doing any of the things it told me to do. And I was like, this is taking forever. And then I, and then I noticed the thing in the corner that said, um, look in the bestiary <laughs> to find out the weaknesses. <laughs> and so I did that and it was one of the trap ones. And I was like, I didn't even think that would work on her because she doesn't touch the ground, but I used it. And then one, t one hit, I think and she yeah, was it, dead. Like it like increases the amount of damage when she's in the trap space. It like increases the amount of damage you do, by like times 10. Well, it went from six to like 91. Yeah. It's massively different, so it takes, like, four swings to knock her down instead of basically a hundred. <laughs> which was also kind of, which also kind of stunk because unlike the other wolves and stuff that I had gotten encounters with along the way, when, as soon as she left the trap, the damage went back down to, like, six. Yeah. She had to stay in that trap zone, and I did not have any of those bombs or any of the other things that she was weak to at the no, time, at least no, not when either. I fought her. I... I barely have any supplies because at least from my perspective, it feels like alchemy in three is much harder to do in terms of actually having the proper ingredients because basically like the way one did it, everything was basically five um, central components. Like, and you know, they all had whatever, like foreign names or whatever. Like I don't, I could like Legredo or, you know, whatever, some nonsense like that. But the point is everything you would pick up, whether it was a flower or a monster part or whatever, would have icons to show you which of those things it was. So it didn't have to be a specific 
like in three, you have to have these specific plants and this, like a specifically a drowner brain or whatever. Whereas in one and two, it was more like, you know, you just need two things that provide element X and one thing that provides element Y and that's good enough. And wherever you get it from, it doesn't matter. Considering how slowly you level up in this game, I'm kind of okay with that because it means I have to do, I'm forced to do more grinding, except I'm probably, unless I absolutely have to, never going to mess with alchemy anyway. Yeah, there. I mean, for like the Griffin, I'm actually going to be really curious how well it goes for you without doing it, because I feel like that one's almost certainly going to really want some alchemy to make it work. But I also don't even necessarily know what you would make, because like, so... The Witcher 3 definitely feels much slower than 1 and 2, both in terms of you level up really slow, despite the fact that, as I understand it, the max level is significantly higher than it was in either of the other games. Uh, and you you, yeah, you get EXP very slowly. I, like Collecting co- ingredients and stuff takes a lot more time than it feels like it did in the first two games. Everything just feels more... I don't know. It almost feels like it's not even the same series. That was my first reaction when I played it because it just, there's a lot of things that are similar, but so much is different from the first two that it really kind of throws me off a little bit. Don't get me wrong. I'm greatly enjoying it. And I, it's probably, I mean, most of the changes they made, I think are for the better from what little I've seen so far. It's just taking some adjustment. And, you know, you were saying it's like three or four hours in to get to the merchant, but like in that time, we were still basically on the first quest. Like, of the main story quests. Yes. But, by that time, we... So, we we got to the first town, and we kind of started talking to people about different things. And we had done several... I mean, I had done several side quests at that point. Well, yeah, I, same here. As soon as I left... I, I beat that guy in Gwent. Yeah. Which is an interesting game. Yeah, we'll talk about Gwent a little bit more specifically. Um, probably once we get further in, but... It's interesting because I know Gwent was very popular to the point where they were making a Gwent standalone game and stuff, and and I, I like I get I can see how it would appeal to people, but I'm a little surprised that it was apparently that popular. Well, we've also only played one game with very minimal decks. I mean that's true, but just like but even from playing one game, I can tell you. It's like significantly better, in my opinion, than any of the mini games we played in Final Fantasy X. Too. Oh, I would definitely agree with that. Yes, I mean it's just a far cry from uh, Sphere Break, for example. Like it's so like better. It's it's relatively simple, but I think it's relatively simple in a good way. I think my biggest thing is just like the fact that you just get a set hand and you never get any more cards or anything. It just feels like it's going to be very. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Well, that's the whole point. Is you have to be. You have to understand when you need to make sacrifices and when when you it's it's okay to keep going and, and get the play that you want. Yeah. Like I, I played the first thing I did was play my catapult, and the first thing he did was play the the thing that disabled my catapult. So I just immediately went pass. And then he played something else and then, you know, beat me that round. But he was never able to catch up at that point because he was a card behind. And then I, when I won the second hand, second round, it actually let me draw a card. Yeah, yeah, that that was the special ability of uh, the Tamarian side or whatever the ally, whatever side your starter deck is. Yeah, because there's like four, fa- four or five factions, I think. So you are able to draw a card at least. 
Only if you're that one faction, though, because nobody else gets that. Yeah, but that's the benefit of that faction. Right. I'm sure there's the benefits of the other factions. Well, like, I know the one that he was, the Nilf, which is the Nilfgaardian faction, um, in the that first guy got the benefit of winning on ties. Because mm-hmm. he did that, he beat me on a tie on round one, the game I played, which is how I learned that. And then, like, the, the Scoyatel is a faction, and, like, I, I was reading the rules a little bit, and their ability is, like, one of the cards that you played in the last round randomly stays. Interesting. And you get it for the next round, so... I, I think there were four in the base game, and then one of the free DLCs, because I went in and downloaded all the DLC before I started, I believe added a fifth faction of Gwent for Gwent. So, I mean, so far, I... I... Of the little bit that I've played, because I don't even know if you can play them again. At least I didn't try, because I had other stuff to do at that point. But I did enjoy it. I don't know if I enjoyed it to the level of like playing it in a standalone game. At least not yet. But I did really like what I what I saw of the base Gwent. So the the thing about it, I think, is most of the interesting and entertaining stuff is probably going to come in building the decks more than actually playing it. Yeah, it makes sense. In terms of, like, making the decisions for what's even going to be available to you. Because uh, I did a little bit of the deck building, even though I basically had, like, no cards. But I swapped a couple because I bought uh, all the cards that were in the starting tavern that the lady had. Just to mac- just to fill out my deck a little more. You wasted your money on Gwent cards at the beginning of the game. Oh, of course I did. Absolutely. Why? What else was I going to spend money on? Because nothing else... Everything else is basically all the upgrades and stuff we need are blueprints and collect resources. There's very little to just straight up buy. Did you go back and talk to the merchant? Yeah. Where he gave you half off prices on his super awesome gear. Yeah. Well, all of which required like multiple levels before I could even wear it. So, so by that point I'll have money anyway. Yeah. But I'm always on the search for a good deal. Andrew, this is true. But as I understand it, uh, the Witcher games, like or three specifically, is is basically is programmed to avoid like letting you buy out the markets and corner everything by being super rich or whatever. So you, you, some of the things you would normally do may not work in this game. Yes, it works just like Fallout series, where they only have a certain amount of money. No, 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 no. That not that, but the prices apparently actually change based on how much money Geralt like introduces into the economy and stuff. Like it's. They did a whole talk about it specifically on how they did the economy because it was like such an elaborate thing compared to basically every other video game economy where normally essentially your position is you know, everything is basically just a bottomless pit that money goes into or out of and even if you have a limited amount like it, it, it that's not quite how it works in it's more like the fable economy where like if you bought all the stuff out all of a sudden they'd ask for more money but or they would offer more money for it but you can't just do the tricks you could in fable where you could like because, like, in Fable, the Fable series, you could just buy all their gems, and then all of a sudden they would want gems at such a price that you could sell it back, and it would be worth more than it was when you bought it, and just do that to make money over and over. And, like, that kind of stuff doesn't work, but it's more like that, where the prices will fluctuate on demand. So what you're saying is, if I have all of the money, it's going to drive prices super low. No. Because as soon as you start to buy anything, prices will... Well, I mean, okay. that probably So fl- I can... F- for the things that I really, really want... It's going to make the prices super low. Okay, yes, but then, like, as soon as you buy something, the prices would shoot up. But, yeah, like, if you only want one specific thing, yes, you could probably do that. Yeah, and they're not going to shoot up in the span of, like, I'm not going to buy a piece of armor from this guy, and his prices are not going to immediately shoot up while I'm in the same thing. I believe they actually do. 
They go up like as soon as you make the purchase. That would be insane. That that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Then because I've never once gone to a store and bought like a super high end DSLR camera. And then all the prices in Best Buy immediately shoot up. And the next person that buys the camera now has to spend $2,700. Okay, but... That's insane. We're also dealing with like places where you know the blacksmith has like two sets of armor and that's all he has. Because it's not like it's a mass-produced economy. And why wouldn't he sell them to the guy that's standing right here also buying everything? Oh, He would, but... Regardless, I just there's some interesting behind the scenes market changing stuff that you don't normally see because in a normal RP like like comparing it to Final Fantasy X two, if you buy one potion versus you buy a hundred potions, the price per potion is exactly the same and that never changes. And don't get me wrong, that's cool, but it would be incredibly dumb if it was in the same cell window. I obviously. I just remember hearing about it, and we'll see how it actually works as we go farther in, because maybe it doesn't, but I feel like it was pretty responsive, and that was, because I actually remember people commenting that they thought it was too, like, fle- was too flexible, and and that's why I'm thinking that it uh, it changes, like, immediately like that. Well, I guess I'll find out pretty quick, because like- I've already bought some really nice items. I've already upgraded my my coat yeah, I to upgraded, green. I upgraded my coat, imme- like, with... Uh, the the blacksmith using the the recipe I had. I already. Did you loot the battlefield? Partially, I didn't go and loot every single thing, but I've gone and I got several things. Did you get the ability point from the battlefield? No, I haven't gone back to that. I know we we talked about that briefly before, but I have not gone back. The places of power in in one, the places of power was actually how you learned your signs at all. So you until you found the place of power for like Igni, you couldn't use it, which was really annoying. But in two, they just gave you a buff, and that was it. So the fact that they apparently give you a buff and also an ability point means I'm going to be a lot more concerned with finding them than I was in two. Where I mean, the buffs were nice, but it wasn't like a huge deal if I missed one. I'm I do a ton of exploration. I mean, don't get me wrong. Before I'm done, every question mark on that map is going to be filled in. Jeez, because that's how I am with this sort of game. Every single one. I don't know if I'll have solved everything, but I'll at least have seen them all to know what it is. I, uh, there was one that I was walking towards and then I kept getting the message of the world does not go on any longer. I must turn back or something. And I'm like, what is this? You walked up to the borders of the map. Apparently. I've never gotten that message. That's really funny. I didn't know that was a thing. You have no, I haven't gotten the, this is why you don't, this is why you have two less ability points than I do. Yeah, well, yeah, I haven't walked in a direction so far that the map is literally like, yeah, you're done. <laughs> this is why you are going to have to use potions to fight the griffin, but I... Well, I mean, considering that you're not even spending the ability points you have, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> we'll see. I At this point, now I've said too much. I'm going to try fighting the griffin with zero prep other than looking at the thing. It's going to tell me what sign it's weak against, and I'm going to use that sign and nothing but that sign to completely obliterate it. Okay. I'm really curious how it's going to go for you. It's going to go well, just like the Banshee went well. I would have killed it if it wasn't for the fact that I was saying, this is taking too long, and then looked in the bestiary, and then one hit it. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, whoops. I guess I should have been doing this the whole time. 
I do actually like that the bestiary immediately tells you everything. Um, because in the first few games, you kind of had like it was one in particular. You either had to specifically purchase books to read about any monsters or fight them enough times the girl would gradually figure it out and like its bestiary entry would gradually get bigger. So I kind of like that by this point in the third game, you know, he's seen these things so many times that it doesn't make me go through that again. He just knows. Well, the biggest reason that I now that you've said, you know, finding books and stuff, the biggest reason that I looted every corpse on that battlefield is because several of them had notes on like question marks. One of the question marks I had actually already visited because there was like three or four drowners near it. And then I saw that there was like a treasure chest down there. So I'm like, I'm going to go get that chest. Well, obviously, I mean, you don't just not get a treasure chest. Yeah, there's there's nothing I can do. Right. I mean, you're like physically obligated at that point. So then I went down there and got that chest and then got blue sword and blue um, shoes. Except for the problem is I don't think the sword is actually better than my Witcher sword because the Witcher sword has plus 25 armor piercing. Oh, yeah. That's, like, huge. A 2% chance to stun or plus 25 armor piercing. Like, it's a no-brainer. Unless you do a bunch of the heavy attacks, because I believe the heavy attacks are already armor piercing. Yeah, but you can't always wind up and do no, a heavy attack. No, absolutely not. And I, when I leveled up, my like, the first thing I put points in was making my weak attack stronger because, yeah, a lot of times it's much easier to get a good combo in when you're just doing the light attacks. Which is also another thing that's changed, because he didn't used to have, like, weak versus heavy attacks. Like, they changed how the combat system works a lot. Because uh, it used to be very, almost rhythm-based, where you, like, had, it was all about pushing the next button at, at the exact time, and it's a lot, it doesn't feel like that at all anymore. You can yeah, just, you kind of warned me about that. You 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 were saying, well, you're not going to be able to button mash. Um, I definitely can. Yeah, yeah. In 3, you can definitely do that, whereas in 1 and 2, like... It was all about when you pushed the button next, whether he would like continue his combo or he would just like whiff and you would start over. And there are certain things like dodging and parrying and everything like that. Yeah. Honestly, until we talked about it, I completely forgot that parrying was an option. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a much more active battle system in general in terms of you have a lot more options in the moment and it's a lot less reliant on, you know, Geralt's, uh, I guess, like, stats, for lack of a better word. Like, you, you have a lot more freedom to roll around and do whatever you want and more defensive options. I basically rely solely on my powers. Yeah, I'm not at all surprised. <laughs> That's essentially all I do is use my powers. The two biggest ones are Igni and of course. the Magic Trap, because the Magic Trap is just slow down anything that comes inside of it. I, I, I just destroy everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I I don't lean on my spells as much as I probably should. Uh, I definitely tend to be more of a sword person and then use the spells more situationally. So, uh, of course, I knew you were going to be very heavy on that just because you tend to be really into magic, and that's cool. So it'll be interesting how, you know, our Geralts will differ by the end of the game. What did you do with the blacksmith? Uh, I definitely helped him and definitely turned the guy into the Guardians. Yep. I kind of felt... I felt more bad for the dwarf than I did the guy who was about to die only because, I mean, A, he, you know, burned his forge down, but he said that I knew your mom her whole life. Yeah. And this is how you repay me. Like, I'd helped her multiple times. Like, dude, 
what the heck? Yeah, Why on earth would you do this? There's a really strong, um, like, racist element in all the games. Like, the humans in all three tend to be very racist against, like, the elves and dwarves and stuff. And it it's pretty universal. Um, and I think it's part... Uh, I'm sure I don't know about that. The Nil- the Nilfgaardians do not seem that racist to me. Yeah, I mean, so far, yes, but also that he like said that that one guy, the commander, seems like a pretty solid dude, and we'll so we'll see what happens on that front. But I mean, not even just him. Like the the guards and stuff. When you're talking with the dwarf and everything, they seem like they treat him with some respect. Like they just yeah. Although even then, he said they weren't even actually paying him for anything, which is a pretty lousy deal. Yeah, but. I mean, the commander was forcing that town to give them free food, too, so... Yeah. It's like, unfortunately, that's just kind of the way things work sometimes, especially when you're the loser in a fight. Yeah. I know, but I I mean, like... It doesn't make it right, but unfortunately, sometimes that's just the way it is. But that's part of why um, the Witcher's... And like the elves, like the witchers get along a lot better with the elves and dwarves than the humans sometimes because the humans are also very racist against witchers. Well, very clearly. Yeah. It kind of sounds like humans are just garbage. Uh, yeah, kind of. They're pretty terrible. Sounds about right. So it seems pretty par for the course, honestly. And the the backstory of the series, like how where how all this started, it kind of did you watch the uh like movie that plays like the idol movie for Witcher three. Yeah, where there's, like, this big war and... Yeah, like, the one that's just basically, like, a... Yennefer's just slaying everything and everybody. I I was I talking really... about, even before that, the one with, like, the old prophet guy talking about, like, you know, you we need to rise up or whatever. Maybe. I thought that was the same video. Is it? I thought that was two separate videos. Maybe it wasn't. I thought it was the same video, because if you let it keep playing, then it just goes into mm. Yennefer just laying waste right and that's the difference between like a real sorceress versus like a witcher sorcerer yeah i'm super loving yennefer right now like i'm all on board the yennefer train <laughs> this super awesome power deal i'm good <laughs> like yennefer you were number one in my book yes she's uh we need to be friends what little we've seen of her she's definitely been very impressive but from what i've seen i'm a fan but the reason I brought it up was I actually wanted to ask or talk about the like conjunction of the spheres thing that the guy talks about, the prophet guy, since that's sort of the origin of how all this started. Because the basic idea, as I understand it, is our Earth in medieval times, essentially, there was like a planar convergence and the world that the elves and dwarves and everybody was from and Earth merged into one planet due to some like weird cosmic event. And that's how we got to the world we have right now. I don't know where you're getting any of that, but I, I mean, definitely didn't. I had already heard that, but then like the like I was already familiar that that was basically some of it from the reading I had done. But the, yeah, the 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 prophet guy in the opening makes some reference to the like com- crossing of the sphere or whatever conjunction of the sphere, something like that. But yeah, so the humans of Earth at some point crossed with the. And the elves and dwarves and creatures from the other world essentially crossed over and it became one planet, which is why partially like they always are at each other's throats and stuff. Since they essentially, from each other's perspective, they all they basically just showed up one day. It's kind of like, um, what was that? I think there was a show that did that where just a whole giant civilization just suddenly 
showed up and then the planet was like because of that the planet was like pressed for resources or something because this whole group of people just like immediately i think it was i think it, i want to say it was an anime then in that case it's probably why i couldn't think of it because i, know I can't remember which one it was more. but i swear that there was one where one day just basically something happened and an entire civilization just merged with another one and suddenly tons of people were just there yeah i mean honestly i'm surprised there hasn't been i haven't seen more things like that because i think that's a a concept that has a lot of potential but that's uh like so magic and all these things that's basically where they all came from and uh, a lot of the monsters are based out of like scandinavian folklore because it's a scandinavian book series i believe and you know so I think the idea there is like all these monsters that like the legends that people have came from, you know, like echoes or little hints of this other world that eventually merged. And I thought that was an interesting touch. But so since we're still early in the beginning, I did want to ask, like, what are your impressions so far? Like as a general sense, I know you kind of said you're you're enjoying it or whatever, but like we haven't really talked about your thoughts as someone who is brand new to the series. And this is your first exposure to the Witcher universe. I mean, I really like what I'm seeing so far. I I really like the combat and everything. Uh, I obviously love the fact that I have magic powers, and I'm even <laughs> more excited for later in the game when I apparently play as Siri, who is like ultimate magic, and just going around throwing out Terra spells. Can't <laughs> wait for that. Aside from that, like I I don't know. I just I'm enjoying it so far. I'm really liking it a lot. Honestly, I. Much rather play the game than edit these episodes for the week. <laughs> I can tell you that. Like, I'm way more excited to to play the game, and I really want to get farther, especially because it seems like a more slower-paced game. Yeah, it, it's, it definitely has a slow burn feel to it, and as I understand it, it is a very long game, and the fact that, like, you're leveling up so slowly and things are taking a while to get definitely... Uh, it's got sort of that like Red Dead Two feel that, or at least I haven't had not played Red Dead Two, but that's one of the things I heard people say a lot was it was very like methodical and slow. Maybe I don't know. I was enjoying it so much that I did I didn't really notice it. Fair enough. It just a thousand XP to level up from one to two just seems insane at the beginning of the. I game. mean, that's really not very much because like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff uses a thousand XP. It's just that you get XP so slowly. Well, yes, that's what I'm saying. Is if it's going to be a thousand. But I, I, I feel like it, it just leveling up from one to two should not take me like five hours. Yeah, it, it's really weird because sh I shot from two to three compared to one to two. And a lot of that's because like one of the biggest strange things I've noticed so far is fighting. Yeah, you basically get almost nothing for actual combat and even side quests. You get a reward and it's like, oh, 20 XP. And then you do one story mission. It's like, here's 500 XP. That doesn't surprise me because a lot of games are like that. A lot of games have a massive boost for the story, but have relatively small boosts for everything else. That that doesn't really surprise me at all. It's more surprising that it just takes so long to level up than anything else. Well, it's also just because like the game has, you know, recommended levels for a lot of this stuff, and it's like, oh, you should be level two to fight the noon wraith. Which, obviously, I wasn't. I was level one when I did it, but I'm sitting there thinking, how could you be level two? Because where would you get the experience to do that before you did that? Pretty sure I was level two when I did that fight. Oh, okay. Could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I was level two. I was two. definitely not. I was still level one. I think that's actually what pushed me to level two, was finishing that. 
Well, because I think I talked to the commander, and talking to him, I think, leveled me up to two. Oh, yeah, because that, that gives you, like, 350 XP just for doing that. Yeah, and I talked to him before I went there, so I think that's what pushed me to two before I got to her. That would that would do it, then, yeah, because what I tend to be somebody who wants to, like, clean out the side quest before I do the main quest, if I'm going to do it, so I usually, like, knock out all the side things that are that I'm aware of before I do the next main plot. I do, too, but I was just walking around and exploring, Fair just enough. like I was doing in Outer Wilds. That's fair enough. I because the the problem for me is you get to him on the way to do the other quest. So I'm like, why wouldn't I talk to the commander when he's on my way? That just makes sense. I to thought me. he was in like literally the opposite direction. No. You have to pass the commander in order to get to the guy who gives you the quest for I think the banshee. Either that or it's the guy who gives you the quest about his missing brother. The missing... Uh, uh, okay. I Because I honestly thought he was up at, like... if From what I was remembering of the map, the commander was kind of off in the corner. So maybe I'll have to look at the map again, but... I don't know. I did that on the way to do something else. Might have been the brother. Might have been the noon wraith. I don't know. But I did... Hit, I, I talked to the commander on the way to go doing something else. Because I, the only reason why I passed that merchant at all, the merchant, mm-hmm. was because I was going that direction for something else. Yeah, I was passing back through the swamp to get to somewhere else when I found him, yeah. Well, I was going from the base into the swamp to then go to the other side to get to talk to somebody. Have you noticed uh, that like fast travel, you have to actually specifically go to a sign to do it? I wouldn't know. I haven't done fast travel at all. Yeah, I well, I I didn't even think fast travel was in the game until suddenly, uh, if you walk up to one of those like signposts and you push a or you know push a button, whatever your button is on it, your use button, it will give you the fast travel screen that just shows you the map and all the signposts you've been to. And uh, yeah, like I had no idea fast travel was even in the game until I just accidentally stumbled onto it. But it's weird because, you know, in most games that are like, especially ones of this size where you have this huge map, you can like fast travel from anywhere, but only go to those points. So it's weird that you have to already get to one of those points. It's very different from what other takes on fast travel that I have seen. Because like, you know, in Elder Scrolls or whatever, you can just fast travel to any of the places you've been and you don't have to worry about the rest of it. So it it's definitely... That, that was a little weird, but I'm just glad that I discovered that it existed because, like, when I'm coming back to town, I didn't want to have to necessarily hike everywhere. I'm planning on doing a lot of hiking in general, but, like, I mean, there have definitely been times where, like, I got in a fight and barely survived, and I was just glad I could get back to safety for sure. <laughs> Unless I'm going, like, across the map, I'm never going to use fast travel. I didn't in Red Dead, and I'm not going to in this either. I just like traversing the map because... It, it, there, it, there's so much to see and do. Yes, it is a very big map, too, because did you zoom out to, like, the actual world map? Yeah. Yeah, I saw all the regions that there are. <laughs> and I have no idea how you think that you're going to hit every single question mark, especially if you're going to fast travel. I guess we'll find out. You won't. You won't. Will I? Won't I? You won't. Okay, I guess we'll see. We won't see. If anyone will do it, we both know from Final Fantasy X-2 that it will be me. You and I both know this. I mean, you make a fair argument, but I will probably, like I said, there's no guarantee I'll finish them all, but I am pretty confident I will at least activate them. Okay, so fast forward, you know, 20 sessions down the line, (laughs) and I'm going to just remember this moment 
everybody, because I certainly will. And I'm going to have it on loop for like 10 minutes after (laughs) Andrew says, yeah, there's no way. There's just too much. We've done like a thousand sessions of this game. We need to move on to Spider-Man or something. Well, what'll be whatever you pick next? (laughs) Oh, I have some ideas. I know. I can see. I I knew you were going to just remember. So do I. (laughs) <laughs> that's fine that's fine we're just gonna torture each other i back won't and forth. be the one that casts the first stone my friend <laughs> it'll be you because you'll give in way before i do and then it'll just be a slog of things you despise <laughs> okay or we you know just let the audience choose one time and it might be a game that both of us hate I mean, I think for that to happen, it would have to specifically be something like Madden, because our tastes, between the two of us, we have a lot of... I wouldn't even do a one-shot of Madden. I'm sorry. I know, but I mean, like, for it to truly be a game that we both hated out of the box, I feel like it would have to be something like that, because... They want us to play through the story of Battlefield. (laughs) But see, like, I would do that. It just would only take, like, two weeks, at most. I wouldn't even want to do that. Right, but that's what I mean. Like, between us... We have a broad enough thing that there is very little that it would take to really make us hate it. It's not Both. that they, it's not that they aren't good games. I just I, I just have no interest. Yeah, that's fair. I really don't. Just like I have little interest in playing Bloodborne, but you insist on it so heavily. I mean, I let you slide this time, didn't I? To play Witcher. <laughs> and I guess it depends on whether uh, whether you want me to to really make your life. Really put the Difficult. screws in. Yeah, I'll really like. Well, there are so many. I'll I'll force you to play the entirety of No Man's Sky every week. Will be the No Man's Sky podcast. The only way that because by the time we're done with one section, they'll release a new update, and then it'll just be nothing. No Man's Sky forever. <laughs> I will love it. I will enjoy the heck out of that. The amount of content and planets that I'll visit. I'll be like, I fell in a cave this week. And then I explored the cave for like, you know, six hours. (laughs) And then it turns out that it was just like the same cave over and over again somehow because it's procedurally generated. But I'm like, I found that cave. Then I went to a planet and you're never going to guess what happened. I fell into another cave. And it looked just like the first cave. Well, but it had different colors. And there were some different patterns. Okay. Planet three. (laughs) It was a water planet this time. But. There was an underwater cave. There was an underwater cave. And that's where I built my ultimate base. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, since since this was uh, the beginning episode, we obviously didn't have a ton of of content of the game to get into. But let's, just like with Final Fantasy X-2, what are your expectations going into uh, next week? I'm expecting this Griffin fight to go pretty easily. I'm expecting to absolutely wipe the floor with this Griffin. You know, just really just take it to task. <laughs> um, I'm expecting uh, to immediately rub that in your face right out of the gate. I mean, if you do it, more power to you. I'll just It'll just be good for you. Like, I, I'm confident you can do it. What, what difficulty are you playing on? Just normal? Yeah. Okay, yeah, same here. Well, whatever one was like the sword and like... Like the default one. Yeah, the yeah. one that said you'll be challenged. Right, yeah. The same here. I mean... I'll bump it up to ultimate. 
I can assure like, you, <laughs> you would not be able to get away with not spending your points and not doing alchemy on that difficulty. I'm sure there are people out there that can do it. And if I had weeks and weeks and weeks, I probably could too. And then I'd be like, easy, done. So easy. I absolutely destroyed it. Like, well, Chris, it says he, your Steam profile says you played this game for like 900 hours. What happened? I was fighting this Griffin, you know? He was uh, he was a real easy fight. It just took me, you know, a little while. But he was just, you know, I destroyed him. I had to, you know, I had to prepare and everything. I'd leveled up to 70. <laughs> to get to the Griffin In between fight. that time by fighting drowners. It's like that South Park episode where they fight boars <laughs> and just get one XP at a time and then the level world, up yeah, to 60. The World of Warcraft episode. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your expectations since you've actually played one and two? Where do you kind of think the game is going in relation to your past experiences? So, I mean, it definitely seems like obviously three's main focus is going to be um, well, one catching up to Yennefer and probably reuniting with Siri at some point. But also, especially given the title of the game is The Wild Hunt. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the arc thing that we wind up dealing with is that the the wild hunt that showed up in his flashback nightmare thing. Which is why I think we're going to catch up to Yennefer relatively quick, personally. Because I think Yennefer has something to do with that. I think we're going to catch up to her relatively relatively quick. Yeah, I, I would imagine... My, my thought is, I doubt we catch up to her in this first section of the map, but I'm thinking like this... When we move into the second, like major map section, she'll pro- we'll probably meet her in like the very first town. No, my my guess would be we meet her at the very end of the first section of the first map. That would be my guess, it, it, because that just makes the most sense. Why would why would they have us catch up to her in the beginning of the second town when you know five minutes before that we were at the very end of? To me, it just makes more sense to like round out the chapter as hey you caught up with her this game is also going to be very whereas final fantasy was very easy for us to say this is exactly where we're going to get it's it's going to be really difficult with the witcher yeah i mean we could probably make some you know guesses as far at least as far as like main story but even then we're not even necessarily going to know where the main story is going to go to make a statement on that so i think we're just gonna we're mostly gonna follow at least i'm gonna follow the main story but as I find side quests, I'm going to do them. Yeah, same here. I mean, so really, we're just going to try to stay relatively in the same area on the main story and the side quest stuff. We may wind up doing completely different things, and that's okay. Did you find that guy's brother? I did. Did you Did you turn that guy in? No, I let him. I let. I had the brother adopt him. Basically, that was. I was like, I don't know why he has to adopt him but like okay i guess yeah but that seemed a little strange i'm like i feel like there's another option but if okay if everyone's happy with this I mean, yeah as long as long as it works for everyone congratulations because <laughs> if i was that guy i'd be like um i mean thanks for the help but like i don't really want to work on your farm um i mean i guess that yeah but i mean like they said if he had gone back he probably would have just been killed for being a deserter so he could have been like, oh, I was hit on the head. You know, my memory's gone, just like Geralt. Like, I got this amnesia. I recently met this Geralt guy who said he went through a similar thing. Uh, he's a witcher, so, like, you can really trust him on this. <laughs> was he a deserter, though? Because all he did was 
like almost die and then he tried to save himself like he crawled to safety i i mean especially in like that sort of era i don't think the standards for being a deserter were as high as they are now i mean if being a deserter is literally i, think I didn't die on the battlefield and i didn't walk out of there that seems like a pretty low I, I, bar i think the bigger thing is the battle's been over for days and he never went back to check in or anything his legs were broken. Right, but okay, then oh, you go back and, well, how'd your legs get better? I mean, like, how do you get, how do you explain your way out of this situation? Somebody mended me. I didn't really catch their name. My legs were broken. Yeah, I... And then I came home. If you're a deserter because somebody breaks your leg in a battle, what? I'd be like, dude... Somebody broke my legs. I found my way back. A deserter is you leave and never come back because you're like, ooh, I hate the war, whatever. Which, I mean, that guy also did. They, they, both of them did. That was part of what they were. I know, but that's what they were talking about. But all I'm saying is, like, if he decided that he hated the war and didn't want to go back for that reason, then I guess that's different. But if he wanted to go back at all, I kind of feel like, there's definitely ways to explain I didn't just desert. I my legs were broken. Like what how did they get better? The question how did they get better? What do you mean how did they get better? What do you want from me? What kind of a question is that? It's like saying, oh, you know, I, somebody punched me in the face the other day, and um, you know, over time it just stopped hurting. Well, how did it how did that happen? I don't know. Like my blood pooled and caused some nerve endings to like do stuff and that repaired the cells. Like you want me to go into the science of how my face suddenly doesn't feel terrible anymore? Like what's wrong with you? What kind of a question is that? I mean how do your legs get better? I mean to be fair. They healed. <laughs> We're human. Somebody Pops it back into place, random individual, the herbalist that is apparently friends with the commander. She popped my legs back. I crawled to the herbalist. She popped my legs back into place. And then boom, all you got to do is go to the herbalist and be like, uh, can you throw me a bone here? Because I just didn't want to kill someone. I'm pretty sure the herbalist who's trying to save that woman's life would be like, got it, dude. Your legs were broken. I healed them. Now you're back. Great. I feel like there's a thousand other plans. And if anyone ever, if I'm ever in a situation where I break my arm and then three months later, I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And you look at me waving my arms around and your question is, how'd your arm get better? I'm going to tell you to stuff it. We're also talking about, like, hundreds of years of understanding of medicine and technology difference between the era you're talking about. I feel and like that commander would be like, got it. The herbalist gave you some water that fixed your legs. Done. Well, like, but also, like Gerald said, that commander seems like he's, he's a pretty good guy, but going past him in the army, maybe not as much. That's why you only deal with a commander. Why on earth would you go above his head if he's being a cool dude? He's like, yo, I got it. Your legs were broken. By the way, here's the commute. Here's the, the cell phone number of my, of my boss. If you want to go ahead and give him a call and explain. No, 
You already told <laughs> your boss, yo, my legs got better. I don't know how because they were broken and I was asleep because my legs were broken and in pain. I just feel like there's so many other ways they could have dealt with this than just, guess you got to come live with me on my farm now. Not that I, I have nothing against. I'm sure that guy's going to have a great life. He can totally work on a farm, but I'm just saying like, I'd be like, I really appreciate it. That's great. How about we do that until I get back on my feet? And then, you know, maybe by that time the war has, you know, gone down or just heal me enough to go. And it sounded like the one guy could have just cut off his finger and he wouldn't have had to been in the war. So I'm pretty sure if he just took a tourniquet back to his commander and was like, dude, my legs are broken in the battle. They're just going to do what they can to heal him and then shoot him on his way. They're not going to be like, okay, well, go into the next fight with these bracers. <laughs> They're going to be like, let's roll you into the fight in a wheelchair that doesn't even exist at this time period. And then just have you swinging around randomly at people. Just just have a spear and like hold it out with one hand and move your wheelchair with the other. Well, this is the area, era where centaurs exist. So they'll just tape him to a horse. <laughs> and now he's just that now. Now he's Calvary. Like, forever. I just... I'm just saying, it felt like that wasn't their only option. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't. I just... It's like, oh, my legs are broken. <laughs> I guess I literally just have to work on this farm now. But Andrew's telling me he'd like me to stop talking about <laughs> this guy and how many other options are... <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking of the 20,000 other things he could have said or done. He could have taken You've made the your swallow. Point. You've made your point. <laughs> He probably would have survived because he wasn't bleeding out of his side. And was also a trained soldier who theoretically is in, you know, pretty solid physical condition. There's like at least 16 other things they could have done. Okay. Yes. He could have eaten a drowner brain and somehow that gave him superpowers. I don't know how this place works. He could have been like a sorcerer came by and healed me. I don't know. Magic. They're just better. <laughs> well, with that. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for episode one of our coverage of The Witcher 3. New episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. I love Yennefer. <laughs>